Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. So if you're ready, grab your Bible, grab your phone, uh, whatever you're going to follow along with, and uh, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and if you've walked with God for any amount of time, then part of what you know about the Christian life, about the spiritual life, is that part of the way this faith walk works is there are times where God prompts you. There are times where God prompts you to step out and to act. So it could be that God, at times, he, he prompts you to say something. There are times where God prompts you to to do something. There are times where God might prompt you to give something. So on Sunday, maybe that, maybe that happened for you during Mission Sunday this last, this last weekend. God prompted you. You felt God stirring your heart, something you hadn't really given a lot of thought to, but in a moment, he prompted you to give something. He may have prompted you to talk to somebody or he prompted you to go somewhere. That's part of the way, the experience of walking with God. And so all of us probably at one time or another can point to a moment where we felt God was calling us to do something. And yet I also want to add something. You may have felt God was calling you to do something that you didn't want to do. There are a lot of dishonest people here tonight. <laughs> Has anybody online, because I can't, nobody else can see your hand, you're safe. You had a time where you felt God was calling you to do something and you didn't want to do it. In your living room, just raise your hand. Okay, now it's the South Campus's turn. There was a time where you felt God was calling you to do something, and just be honest, you didn't really want to do it. Like, yeah, oh, okay, there's the honesty, there it is. I remember, so one of my first jobs, not, not the first, but one of the first. While I was in college, I was a server at the illustrious establishment Lambert's Cafe, the home of throat rolls. And so I, I got to wait tables there for a couple of years. And I remember a very distinct shift. And so there's the lunch shift and then there's the dinner shift. And I remember a dinner shift on a Friday night. And the reason that I remember it is that I pulled into the parking lot and all of a sudden God prompted me to do something. And that was, I had a coworker at the time and I felt very strongly that God wanted me to say something specifically to him during that shift. And what God wanted me to say to him was simply, God loves you. That's something I knew that I should say. It's something that I knew he should hear. I thought it was a good thing to say. But there was a little bit of hesitation. Because I, I didn't know, you know, how is he going to process that? Is that going to be like, is that going to resonate? And is there a good, like a better time or a worse time? And so I, you know, got all suited up and went in and, and through, the, through the course of the shift, we would, we would rub shoulders with one another, we'd have small talk, and every moment we were talking to one another, he didn't know, but in the back of my mind, what was just pinging at the back of my mind was, tell him God loves him, tell him God loves him, tell him God loves him. And I'm like, 
and then we'd just go on around through the night. So we waited and waited and waited and waited, and the last tables are shutting down, and we're, starting, we're sweeping up our sections, and we're, the restaurant is really closing down for the night, and it gets to the point where there are about five people in the building. He's one of them, I'm one of them, and three other people. I don't remember who they were. But we're in the back, we're cleaning things up, and literally, I keep looking at the clock going, okay. Some of you are like, you are a wimp. I know. I just like, I, you're like, and you're a pastor. I know. <laughs> but I wasn't at that point. I was a waiter at Lambert. So anyway, <laughs> I, you know, you're watching the clock tick down. And I, I, I remember going over to him and being like, hey, man. And he's like, hey, it's a good night. Yeah, yeah it's a good night. <sighs> I have something to tell you. And I just, that's the worst way to introduce something you don't want to say. It's like, and he turns and looks at me. And I'm like, you're an awesome guy. And then I, I, I start, you know, I grab my stuff and I'm walking to my car. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's like, you chicken. You just, you big chicken. And I get to my car and I, I'm just like, I'm not doing this. So I turn around and I, I run back up and I tell him, hey, God loves you. And he's like, great. Thank you for saying that. Okay, wow. And that was it. But it occurs to me that there are times, all of us, where, where we know, we sense God is telling us to do something. We sense God is leading us. And we say, here am I, don't send me. Here am I, God, please send somebody else. Somebody else would be better at saying it. Somebody else would be better at doing it. Somebody else would be better at executing it. God, send somebody else. And I think it's funny because this is kind of a theme throughout scripture. So if you've, if you've chickened out on the prompting of the Lord, you can know that there are other people who have done the same thing. It doesn't make it okay. It wasn't okay for them. It wasn't okay for me. And it's not okay for you. But this is part of, I think, the, the maturation. You, you, you maturing in your walk with God is not only sensing his prompting, but then learning to act on it. But you watch different heroes of the faith and God calls them and they're not exactly ready for duty. You know, um, Jonah, heard of Jonah? God calls him to go and preach repentance to Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? He gets on a boat and goes the opposite direction. So there's a shining knight in armor of, you know, just faith-filled obedience. And then there's a guy named Moses that we looked at in our Led by Fire series. And God says, you know, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. And I want you to say, God says, let my people go. And Moses says, I'm not good at talking. I won't work. Send somebody else. Please, God, send somebody else. Then there's this prophet named Jeremiah. It's actually the book following Isaiah. And at the very beginning of the book of Jeremiah, there is this, these verses that describe Jeremiah's call. And God calls Jeremiah to go and prophesy to the nation of Israel. And Jeremiah says, send somebody else. I'm too young. 
How many of you know there will always be an excuse to ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit? You will always, your flesh will always be able to generate a reason why it's not a good time. You're not the right candidate. They won't listen. And so we can end up saying things like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm too old. God, I'm too, I'm too thin. I'm too fat. I'm too, I'm too, you know, I'm too smart. I'm too stupid. You know, like we'll, even as, as silly as all of those excuses sound, we'll generate them in a second. God, I, I don't have the education for that. God, I, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the credentials for that. They wouldn't listen to a person like me. God, I, I, I'm not quick-witted. God, I, I don't know what I would say if they ask a question. God, I, I, I can't. Would you please, God, would you please send someone else? Don't send me. It's not my personality. It's not my gifting. Send someone else. Here's my question. What prepares a person to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? If it, if it is resident within human nature, if our, if our knee-jerk response in our flesh is to say, God, no, what prompts us and prepares us and moves us to say, God, yes? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of person who says, God, no. I don't, I've never met a Christian who's like, you know what? The reputation I want to have in heaven is whenever we ask him to do something, he doesn't want to do it. I, I don't want to have the reputation before the angelic host that when, oh, well, if you ask him, he's going to be slow. He's going to hesitate. I, I, I believe that all of us, everybody watching online, everybody in the room, what we aspire to, what we desire to be and des how we desire to live is that when God speaks, when God puts an opportunity in our path to be used by him and for him to work through us, that we jump at the opportunity that we never shrink back, that we always step into, that we pursue it with a courageous boldness that anticipate God's gonna work through our faith-filled obedience. That's the kind of life I wanna live. We've been in this series, Epic Faith. I wanna respond with epic faith when God speaks to me. So how? How, when God prompts you, can you be ready to say yes? And I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 6, because in Isaiah chapter 6, there is a little prayer. It's not very long. There's a little prayer by a guy named Isaiah, and he essentially says, God, I'm available. In fact, across uh, online, across all the living rooms and in the room, I, I want us to say that. God, God. say it louder. God. God. I'm available. Okay, so let's say it all together. God, I'm available. We're available. Now, that is a powerful statement that we just made. That's a powerful statement. You just told the creator of the universe, you're available. Now, how do we get ready to sync up our lives with that declaration? Look at what Isaiah writes, Isaiah chapter six and verse eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, 
here am I, send me. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. What sets Isaiah up to say, God, I'm available? What sets him up to say, here I am, send me? Now, the answer to that is multifaceted, and we get it in the verses that precede this declaration. And so if you go to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, we read this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The first thing that we find out that Isaiah is acquainted with that prepares him, that gives him a posture through which he's ready to respond to the prompting of the Lord is that he knew God. Isaiah knew God. Go back to verse one. I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah has an experience of the presence of God. He has a fresh encounter with God's holiness. He has a fresh encounter with God's power. He has a fresh encounter with God's character. He has a fresh encounter with God's voice. And though we don't have time to unpack all that is resident within this passage, it's important for us to recognize that his time in God's presence is the first thing that prepares Isaiah to respond to God's prompting. Do you know that it is always, it is always our time in God's presence that gets us ready to say, God, I'm available. And the the degree to which you commit yourself to being in God's presence will be the degree that you are ready and willing to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So if you find it difficult, because here's the thing, you may not be heartily or as heartily committed as you want to be to being in God's presence, but God will still provide the prompting but you will miss out on the prompting or neglect the prompting if you have not committed yourself to being in his presence. Isaiah has had this, you know, this, and this isn't like just this one time he was in his presence. This is a pattern in the life of Isaiah and God is progressively revealing himself to Isaiah, which is exactly what he wants to do in your life that God wants to give you a fuller and fuller revelation of his character, his nature, his power, his glory, his grandeur, as you spend time with him. And as you get this grander vision of who he is, it prepares you to step into his prompting. That's a powerful thing. Isaiah is prepared to say yes 
because he has been in God's presence. So if you want to say yes to God, if you want to be ready to say, God, I'm available. God, I want you to work through me powerfully. Because when you say yes to God, I think sometimes we feel like God is just sending us on a bunch of kamikaze missions that we're not going to do well on. So it's not going to go well. And God's up in heaven going, oh, this is another one. They're so cute when they try to please me. That's not the way God is looking at you. He's not playing with you. God wants to put us on divine assignment in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. He wants to energize our activity, our words, our obedience with the power of his Holy Spirit so that we see him do the supernatural through us. So when you are not ready to respond to his prompting, what you're doing is you're missing out on seeing him do the supernatural through you. Isaiah is getting this grander, greater revelation of who God is, and it's preparing him to experience more of who God is through his life. God wants to move him into a place where God's power is flowing through him to do what God has called him to do, to fulfill his God-given assignment on planet Earth. I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill the purpose that God put me on this planet for. I want to, I, and in order to do that, I've got to know God. I've got to know him in a deeper way. I've got to spend time in his presence. And if I want him to work through me powerfully, then time in his presence is not optional, it's essential. Yeah. Isaiah knows this. But notice, not, did, Isaiah did not only know God, his time with God acquainted him with something else, namely himself. He knew God and he knew himself. Look at verse five. His time in God's presence produces this response. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. In God's presence, Isaiah becomes keenly aware and desperately aware of his own sin and his own shortcomings. There are several things that happen when you spend time in the presence of God. As you get closer to God, you become more aware of just how deadly sin is. Your proximity to God, your, your closeness in your relationship with God, it awakens you to the reality of just how deadly sin is. The Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That time with God awakens you to the reality of sin's deadly nature. You not only become more aware of how, just how deadly sin is, you become more sensitive to your own sin. How many of you know when you've spent time in the presence of God, there are things that because they grieve the Holy Spirit, they now grieve you in a way that they didn't before. And the longer you walk with God, you're sensitive to things that you used to not be sensitive to because you recognize what they are and you recognize that they grieve the heart of God and you recognize what they do to other people. 
You become more aware of that. You also, though, become more astounded by God's grace. You become more astounded by God's grace. Here's the interesting thing. We could think that because Isaiah has had this overwhelming sense that I am sinful, that the people I live among are sinful, because he has this overwhelming sense of the deadliness of sin and the need for his guilt to be taken away, that when God issues a call, hey, who shall I send? Who's gonna go for us? When God issues that call, Isaiah's response would be, well, don't send me because I needed an angel to go over to the altar and get a coal and put it on my lips. That's how, that's how holy I am. God, don't send me. I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm just, I'm not worthy. God, don't, don't send me. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm terrible. I've got a lot of things to work on. You, you wouldn't want to use, you wouldn't want to use a person like me. But that is not Isaiah's response. Here's the thing. When you've been in God's presence and he's done a deep work in your heart and you have grasped in a new, a fuller way, your need, your desperate need for the grace of God and just how astounding it is that God sent Jesus in your place for your sin to die the death that you should have died and rise in victory over Satan's sin and death for you because you so desperately needed it. He never opens your eyes to that reality for the sake of condemnation. He always opens your eyes to that for the sake of exaltation. You get your eyes off of yourself immediately. It's not like out of that situation, out of this situation, Isaiah is now bound up and thinking about all the things he needs to confess and all the things like, God, I just know that you're really mad at me about this and that and this and that and this and that. No, no, no. Where Isaiah goes immediately from there is back to listening and looking at God. Whenever you've been in the presence of God and he's revealed things about yourself, all of a sudden you get a greater sense of just how amazing what he's done for you is. And what that does is it personally gives you fuel to take that amazing message to other people. Instead of turning it in on yourself, you turn it outward on the world. Oh, if, if I've experienced God's grace like that, now I'm ready to go share about a grace like that. Now I'm ready. Here's a little secret. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah doesn't look at himself and go, oh, well, well, you know, woe is me, God can't use me. He says, woe is me, I desperately need God's grace. And because God is gracious, I know he can use me. That's the trajectory. He not only knows God though, and he not only knows himself, but he also knew the need. He knew the need. Look at verse eight. And I heard a voice, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
Whom shall I send and who will go for us? So at this point in the nation of Israel, in the history of the nation, I, they, they, they need a voice. They need a voice to call them to repentance. They need a voice to call them back to the Lord. And God wants to send someone to call them. And notice when God issues the call, when God shouts out the need that needs to be met in verse eight, Isaiah doesn't respond. I would love to answer that. I just need to know kind of when you're planning on kind of somebody to need to like, you know, just in terms of the, you know, if you can kind of like tell me the, the calendar, you know, the schedule, uh, the commitment time on that, be super helpful. Got a few things planned, but I could certainly pencil you in if that's possible, Lord, you just let me know. He doesn't say where, you know, and, and which kind of people am I gonna be talking to? And, you know, what, 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 what are the benefits on that? Isaiah doesn't land there. He essentially gives God a blank check. Have you done that? Have you been gutsy enough because you believe God is good enough that you can take the check that is your life and you can endorse it and hand it to him? Or have you taken the check that is your life and have you said, here are all the parts that I don't have committed elsewhere. Here you go. You see, in order for you to step into all that God has for you, in order for me to step into all God has for me, what I've got to do is I've got to believe that God is good enough that I can trust him and I've got to be gutsy enough to say whatever he's calling me to, I can enter into sight unseen. God, I don't need to know all the parameters of the call. If you're calling, I'm available. God, I don't need to know where the end is. I don't need to know. I don't need to know what the next step is. If you're calling, let me just sign it real quick. Here you go. My life is yours. So if you're calling for it, here I am, send me. I want you to notice something about God's call. Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and here's, I love God's question. Whom shall I send? In other words, what's missing from God's question? Give you a hint. It's the name of the guy that the book is named after. He doesn't say, hey, Isaiah, where are you? Will you go for us, Isaiah? He issues this generic, seemingly generic call. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, me, pick me, pick me. God, pick, I'm sure that the camera guys love this. Pick me, pick me, pick me. In other words, 
Isaiah is not waiting for a tailor-made call. Isaiah is not waiting for a handwritten invitation. All Isaiah needs is the need. My question for you tonight is, do you know a need? If you know a need, then you have a call. Have you been alerted? Okay, just go through the last week. Have you been alerted to a need? I'm not talking about a need in close proximity. I'm talking, not talking about a need that's tailor-made. I'm not talking about somebody writing you a text message or a note and saying, hey, Cindy, will you help me with this? Hey, Steve, can you do something for me? I'm talking about a need that God opens your eyes to because if God has put a need in front of you, that's enough. He says to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Have you been, have you been gutsy enough before God to pray that prayer. God, here I am. Right here on a Wednesday night at the James River South Campus, right in my living room in Illinois or in England or California. Here I am. Here I am. God, you see me. God, you know me. Here I am. You can have it all. What would God do through you? What would God do through your family? What would God do in the lives of your kids, parents, if they say, saw a mom and a dad who said, God, here's the check, you can have it all. Some of us have people around us and we're trying to tell them about a God they can trust, a God they can surrender their life to, but we have not totally signed the check. And God's ready, God's waiting, God's got things He wants you to do. All He's gotta hear from your lips is, here am I, send me.